And I kick it to all the people who can quest like a tribe does. Before this, did you really know what I was? Comprehend to the track force. Why? Cause getting mentions on the tip of the vibe buzz. Rock and Welcome roll back to the, the Routes. Really speaking podcast. We are recording on Monday morning. It is April 17th. I'm your co-host, Jared Mintz. And joining me on this lovely spring day is not my partner in rhyme, as I was informed on Friday, but my good friend, Joseph Nardone. Joe, how was your Easter weekend? Good. You know, the buddy came over. We had some tea. He gave us some eggs, gave the kids some food. Then I chopped his head off and ate him. Wow. So what is what <laughs> is the, the status of bunny belief in the Nardone household at the moment? Um, youngest daughter believes it's Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Like in a mascot costume? Exactly, yeah. By the way, which is something I used to believe as a child as well. But I didn't, like, give her, give her this belief. She came up to this on her own. All week she was saying, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back. And on Saturday she goes, Jesus is being resurrected tomorrow, but like in a five-year-old's voice. Oh, my God. Yeah. She's brilliant. Wow. And then, um, which is weird, she goes to church and stuff, but she doesn't go like the CCD or anything. And then the oldest is just, you know, it's just a bunny that comes on Sunday morning and drops off a bunch of stuff. But she does, in fact, believe that the bunny does drop off the stuff. Yeah, she's eight years old. She's, uh, I don't know what the age is when they're not going to believe anymore but i I, th- I think eight's still in that ballpark where they believe i think we have one more run at christmas next year and then after that we're probably toast with her right yeah i think she's on the cusp of uh that all coming to a crash and burn but that's cool she still believes and that's incredible that you're younger daughter. hey listen i can't wait till they don't because then i finally get credit for all the money i've been spending spoiler so how do you do with that do you like do you say yeah mommy and daddy brought do you like slip up ever or are you just no. like Sticking no. to, yeah, the bunny bought this. The bunny went to the mall and bought you these well, clothes. They are questioning. They, they got. They both got these dresses yesterday. They saw at a store that we got that they said they wanted, so we got them. And they're like, "How does the rabbit go to the store to get the clothes? Don't people <laughs> notice them?" So what do you answer? Do you just like ignore he, that said, he sends his assistance? Fair enough. All right. Well, that's enough parenting for for today to talk about. Always interesting, always happy to hear about it. We obviously have a lot of NBA stuff to talk about. It was a really good weekend for the NBA playoffs, especially Saturday. We had a lot of really close games, but unfortunately, you know, the weekend was kind of overshadowed by some tragic news coming from the Celtics. Uh, Celtics point guard Isaiah Thomas's sister passed away in a in a tragic one-car accident. Uh, China Thomas was 21 years old, I believe, uh, and she passed away Saturday morning. So there was a lot of speculation as to whether or not Isaiah Thomas was going to play on Sunday. You know, obviously, family comes first and something like this. You know, you just, your heart goes out for Isaiah Thomas. We we saw him on the bench before the game on Sunday night, you know, looking really sad, crying with Avery Bradley next to him, putting his arm around him. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to, to focus on basketball here and say the big question was whether or not he was going to play, but... You know, in terms of basketball and the realm of sports, you know, sometimes we, we kind of put personal lives to the side and just have to ask, well, how does this impact, you know, what we care about and what we care about is the sport. So Isaiah Thomas wound up playing last night. He played a great game, but his team still lost to the Bulls. Joe, what what were your thoughts on, you know, everything that happened with Isaiah Thomas this weekend? Were you expecting him to play? Were you surprised he played? You know, how, how do you feel about what transpired last night? Um, I don't put expect like when somebody loses somebody that close to them. I don't put like expectations. Like if he had not had he not played, I wouldn't have been surprised. Um, but then at the same time, a lot of these guys, a lot of people use sports or even just work in general as an escape. 
Um, I know Brad even said during um, Sunday, during the day before the game started, that Isaiah wanted to see how he did during warm-ups, and then if he felt okay enough, he'd give it a go, and then if he didn't think he could get through it, that he wouldn't. Um, so yeah, man, that's tough. It's brutal. I mean, I can't imagine. I can't. I don't. I don't have a um, a place to, you know, relate to in my own life. But I, but I could feel. I could empathize for him. And um, I mean, he was good. He played well. Um, it didn't seem to affect his game. Um, not that that's the most important part of the story. You know what I mean? But in terms of the game itself, the Bulls beat the Celtics not because of. Um, something really tragic and sad. The Bulls beat the Celtics because the Bulls were the better team on Sunday. For sure, for sure. And we'll get more into the basketball aspect of this in a second, but I kind of wanted to bring up something I found interesting yesterday. And before the game, you know, the game the game was on TNT, and the inside the NBA crew was, was you know, kind of paying their respects to Isaiah Thomas. And before they started discussing the game, you know, they, they, did, a, they did a moment of silence for his sister, and, you know, I don't know if you saw the video going around, but Charles Barkley kind of interrupted it at the end. It was like, all right, can we talk about basketball? And it, it became a little bit of a back and forth between him and Ernie Johnson where, you know, Charles Barkley said it makes me uncomfortable. He said it's a bad look. I don't want to see a guy crying on a bench. It's not a good look for Isaiah Thomas. Did, did you catch Did you catch any of that? No, I didn't see that. This is the first I'm hearing about it as well. I, because I go dark on Twitter when, you know, I, I watch games and I don't really watch pre-shows. No, that, that's fair. I mean, I usually don't either. I didn't catch that. I just saw, you know, Twitter was kind of sending it out, the the Barkley clip. And, you know, B- Barkley comes across as a buffoon a lot of the times, and it, it felt pretty terrible that he interrupted the moment of silence or, you know, kind of tried to brush it to the side. Obviously, I'm not trying to paint Barkley in this picture where he was minimizing anything. Uh, but it, it made me think about it. And, you know, it is kind of interesting. And I saw a couple of people having the conversation on Twitter of, you know, we shouldn't be focusing this much on, on, you know, this tragedy for Isaiah Thomas. Let the guy live his life. What does this have to do with sports? But, you know, I think so much of this and so much of what makes sports so interesting and what makes sports such a, a passion for people is the human element aspect of this. And, I mean, seeing a guy cry on the bench before a game and, and seeing him, you know, even in warm-ups and, and before the game started with, you know, tears in his eyes and clearly looking like he had gone through hell prior to the game, you know, I mean, it's part of the entertainment aspect to this. And listen, I mean, athletes are trapped in a box in our living rooms. You know, we just, we consume their lives, whether it's on the court, off the court. Um, What what do you think? You know, I know you didn't have time to really prepare for this question, but what did you think of Barkley's comments saying, you know, it made him uncomfortable to see it? I mean, is this something that we should shame Barkley for? Does he have a right to say that? I mean, how do you kind of feel hearing that? Um, if he feels uncomfortable, then he feels uncomfortable. I don't know where in the moment of silence he interrupted it. Um, it, was, it was towards the end. I mean, he was kind of just like, "All right, you know, we've kind of we're done with this story." Well, the thing is, like, right? I can I could totally understand being uncomfortable with it, and I could also understand the idea that maybe not. I I don't know because I'm not him, but like, are you are are people are cameramen producers of the show trying to monetize a have something tragic? to build the suspense and the drama around a program. Because, it, like you said, it is entertainment, and part of it's the human element. So was it being overdone? But I don't have the context to say whether it was or sure. wasn't. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, like, I could see that, because sometimes I'm very off-put by the way things are presented, where it's somebody's going through a horrible situation, and it's, like you could acknowledge it and pay respects, 
and not make it the theme to the point you're showing somebody breaking down. That's fair. I mean, but and that, that's the part, you know, that I'm wondering, I don't have an answer for, and I kind of just wanted, you know, your opinion on it, too, of, I don't know what's too much, I don't know what people find entertaining, what people find uncomfortable, and, you know, while I do, I'm never going to rush to defend Charles Barkley, but while a lot of people were kind of rushing to, to crush him and say, you know, this is another bad Barkley take, I understand where he's coming from to extents. Uh, again, though, it's it's just, it's this crossroad of where sports and entertainment meet and adding the human element to it. And again, you know, I, I think what you said about are they really, you know, over exploiting this for profit type of thing. And that that's where it gets, you know, murky. I just I I think what he said had validity to it. I just think it's kind of hard to digest hearing that coming from Charles Barkley. But let's put that all to the side. You know, again, our our best wishes, of course, are with Isaiah Thomas and his family. And it was it was really difficult to, to watch him deal with that. And to you can't even imagine, you know, what that's like. But there was still basketball to be played last night. And at the end of the day, there was an upset as the number one seed Celtics dropped game one at home to the Chicago Bulls. I mean, we had Jason Pat on the show on Friday, and Jason writes for the Bulls. He's a big Bulls fan. And we were asking him if it was possible that the Bulls could pull off an upset. And, you know, I think a lot of the things that we talked about kind of came to fruition where it's like, you know, well, if Dwayne Wade plays his best and, and Rajon Rondo plays well, not to say Wade played his best, but down the stretch he played some good basketball. And Rondo didn't look like the terrible Rondo he was all season. And at the end of the day, I mean, Jimmy Butler's just one of these players in the league that can carry a team. And that, that's what we saw on, on Sunday night. Were, were you impressed with the Bulls, Joe? Do you think that they have a legitimate shot at winning the series? Or, you know, was this maybe just, you know, a game one jitter situation for the Celtics? First of all, bleep Jason. You buried the lead there. What did I say Friday? Playoff for Playoff <laughs> Port, Bobby play, Portis, man. Joe, play, you got it right. Playoff Bobby Portis. I also said Ian Clark would do big things, and he did do big things. Um, listen... It was, it was one of those deals where the Celtics, right, who might win the series and go on, the Celtics will never have the best player on the floor, ever, like in all of the playoffs. If they if in the Bulls game a one versus eight, Jimmy Butler is the best player on the floor. Next round, somebody if they advance, somebody else will be the next round. So like that's the one big thing I think everybody kind of knew, but nobody really discussed because you know one versus eight. Um, the other big thing is like you guys like we what we talked about on Friday, which was big. I think like Rondo played well enough, right? And then way down the the stretch was 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 great. He wasn't really great before that. Uh, Portis was just Portis was terrific. Like there's no other. Like I'm not even just saying that to toot my own horn. He had like, probably the best game of his career. Right. No hyperbole. He probably played the best game of his NBA career last night. And uh, uh, good job for Hoiberg with just going with the hot hand because Bobby Portis doesn't necessarily play 29 minutes per game every night, you know? So uh, he just rolled the hot hand, and I think that's the way that series will roll out is Portis's minutes will just fluctuate depending if he's on or not. But um, I think this is where you see where the Bulls actually like, – and here's the thing. like I've been saying this for three years. The Celtics don't have a ton of talent. You know what I mean? They're just – they just play really well together. They have a couple guys that could score really well, and then they defend really well, and they're, they're coach a well-rounded real, team. All around, but they're not like this world-beating team. This isn't like people trying to make that like, oh, they could be like the Pistons with Rasheed Wallace and Ben Wallace. No, they nope. can't. Because Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, Rasheed Wallace, and Ben Wallace are all borderline Hall of Famers. Not a single right. player on the Celtics is. And those were all guys that, like, at one point or another, were, were, were the guy. Been, right, were, except for Ben Wallace. 
Yeah, but I mean, that's because he just offensively had nothing. I mean, he's a defensive juggernaut. Yeah, right. Four-time defensive player of the year, but you still have Rashid Rip and Chauncey, who at one point or another in their career were the guy on another team. You look at this Bulls team, and I mean, I'm sorry, the Celtics team. And as you saw last night, outside of Isaiah Thomas, there just isn't that second go-to scorer at all. I mean, down the stretch, they're they're dumping the ball to Jay Crowder, hoping he hits, you know, a Hail Mary three or something to keep them in the game, and it just wasn't happening. I saw a really funny tweet last night. Um, Justin Russo, who's at Fly By Night, writes for the Clippers, tweeted, Isaiah... Sorry. Was that a... God bless you. Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) You're you're allowed to sneeze. We don't have sneeze buttons. We're not that advanced. He tweeted (laughs) last night, Isaiah Thomas has 18 points on eight shots in the second half. Jimmy Butler had 23 on 13 in the second half. Imagine if they were teammates, to which... uh, Cosmos, who's at Brian or at Cosmos, who's Brian Schroeder, retweeted. Yeah, but imagine if Terry Rozier and Isaiah Thomas were teammates. You know, like the 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 Celtics were a Jimmy Butler or a Paul George away from really being a legitimate one seed, and they didn't pull the trigger. And immediately you see, you know, damn, they probably should have done that because there isn't a second go to scorer. I mean, you know, the Bulls almost didn't even make the playoffs. So for the Celtics to to be losing game one to them and to to look, you know, hopeless down the stretch that they can't get a second score. Isaiah had a good game, and, and there was just nothing they could do. Not overly promising for, you know, their playoff aspirations. No, but there's not a single promising thing that happened from that game. Like, there's no Fred Hoiberg outcoached Brad Stevens. That's the shocker. You know what I mean? And um, the Bulls just look like they're, even though they're older and they should be slower, they just look like the more talented team. They just, like, if... if you were looking at that game without knowing anything else, the other context of the season, you wouldn't think that Boston was supposed to be the better team. And I know and that's not even indicative of the score. Um, just watching the game, if you didn't have, if they never showed the stats and you weren't really keeping track of the score, you would just think the Bulls were just like the, a lot, the far, far better away team. Right. Or I mean, like, best case scenario for the Celtics is these teams are even, which just, again, you have a 1 8, and it shouldn't have been like that. I'm not going to write off the Celtics just yet. I mean, they are a good team, but I think it was pretty clear that, you know, they're not necessarily the best team in the conference or the East just, you know, isn't this powerhouse. And maybe it's a little bit more even across the board. There was another upset on Saturday in the conference that we'll get to shortly. But first, I mean, you know, you talk about the one losing to the eight, the two almost lost to the seven on Saturday. And I don't think anybody expected the Cavs to even lose one game to the Pacers yet. It comes down to, to the last shot of the game, which... C.J. Miles misses because Paul George had to pass the ball off because he was being double teamed. Uh, After the game, Paul George came out and said, I should have taken that shot. The ball should be in my hands in that situation. I mean, if you watch the game, there was no way he could have gotten the ball back and gotten a good shot off. Miles actually did get a decent look at at the basket. He just missed. Uh, I, you know, obviously the story here is that the Cavs, didn't play a great game and that the Pacers were able to really take them down to the wire. And, you know, you have to wonder what this means for the Cavs moving forward in this series. But for me, the story was kind of, this might've been the best game that the Pacers would have been able to play. And and after it, Paul George came out and made a statement, you know, I don't want to say belittling his teammate, but he didn't come out really overly supportive. And I didn't really like what he said. Joe, what were your thoughts coming out of game one of that, that Cavs uh, Pacers game? Uh, The Cavaliers are still broken. Like, we thought they still can't play defense. And the Pacers aren't a very good team. And I know, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Aesthetically? What's the word Aesthet- I'm looking for? Aesthetic. Aesthetic. Aesthetically, the game was was, was fine um, until the fourth quarter where Cleveland wasn't really all that great. But 
I don't think there's like a big takeaway here. I just think it's like, all right, Cleveland's still struggling defensively. They're not like, you know, this, it's probably LeBron's worst team in the last seven years. It still doesn't make them horrible. And then that the Pacers just aren't that great. And I know, was, I, I know it was a one-point game, and it came down to the last shot. Blah, 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 blah. No, I don't trust the Pacers. I was going to say, though, do you think it bodes well for the Pacers that they were able to stay in this game? I mean, is this, Sure, they this could win one game scenario? in the series. They could win one game in the series. Right. I mean, like you said, this was a fun game to watch. Indiana shot 50% from the floor and 46 from three, while the Cavs shot 54% from the field and 40% from three. There was no defense in this game. And, you know, like you said, the Cavs are broken. This was the one thing that we were worried about for the Cavs coming into this game. With that said, you know, I kind of took away more of a mindset of this was best case scenario for the Pacers. I think the Cavs are only going to get stronger as the series goes along and as the playoffs go along. I still do think they have that switch just defensively, you know, they may not be able to get there. And it's hard to be a defensive juggernaut when you're playing Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving all these minutes. Uh, You know, Kyrie made a couple of really big defensive plays in this game, not to take anything away from that. But these guys just aren't superior defenders. And, you know, it's funny that this game was close. And I think a lot of people were were going to be ready to kill LeBron if they lost. LeBron goes for 32 points and 13 assists, shoots 12 and 20 from the field, is there on Paul George on the double team at the end of the game. I mean, he played a very good game. I just did you did you take anything out of Paul George's comments? I mean, did you take anything away from his game? How did you feel about the way you know the game ended with him having to pass the ball off? Uh, listen, Paul George is probably super frustrated because he's been wanting out of Indiana for a couple of years, and then financially he can't really leave. He's cost himself tons of money, and then yeah, the team's not very good. So he went from a team a couple of years ago that was like competing near the top of the East to this team now. So he's probably just frustrated, and I don't think he meant anything by it towards uh, Miles. So. No, I think it's just one of those deals when somebody, somebody says something and doesn't come out the correct way, and it's not necessarily like this giant thing where it means something. Not everything That's has fair. to mean something, you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. And I, I don't necessarily think it does, and I don't mean to react to everything that gets said. I just felt like, you know, it, it, it wasn't... LeBron commented on it, too, and LeBron was like, if I'm double-teamed at the end of the game, of course I'm getting rid of the ball. I mean, there's four-on-three elsewhere. Why do I need to take the last shot just to take the last shot? You know, he's older. He's been through this before. Paul George hasn't. Paul George hasn't had the success, obviously, that, you know, LeBron or other stars have. And Paul George, of course, likes to fancy himself to be in that tier, which, you know, he's knocking on it. And, hey, if he wins a little bit more, he's a little closer to, you know, that LeBron, Durant, Kawhi conversation than he is to the, you know, the next tier of small forwards or or wing players, wing stars. I just I didn't like, you know, the way he came across. I didn't like that he was like, yeah, I got faith in all of my guys. I mean, he's trying to be a leader, of course. I thought it was the right move to pass the ball there. I just didn't really care for his comments. But thank you for putting it in perspective. Not everything has to mean something. I just don't know that it can get better for them moving forward. But we'll find out tonight. Game two is tonight at 7 o'clock Eastern. You know how it would get better for them? How, if they win? If they had Terry Rozier on the team. Oh, of course. I mean, everybody should have Terry Rozier. However... You know, PJ Rozier entered the draft, or PJ Dozier entered the draft this morning. Oh, I didn't hear that. Exciting. Good luck, PJ. Yeah, uh, he should have stayed another year because he was building his draft stock, and he's not a first rounder yet. I agree with you. Before we get off of this game, just wanted to comment Lance Stevenson. This is why they brought him here. Lance had a big playoff game. He went for 16 points and seven rebounds, eight of 13 from the field. He was a team high plus seven in this game. So it's incredible that this guy went from, you know, sleeping on a park bench a month ago to playing playoff basketball meaningful minutes. Of course, he wasn't homeless. I'm just kidding. But shout-out to Lance. Shout-out to the Loud guys this weekend, too. Big weekend for instigators. 
Draymond Green had a huge game. Pat Beverly had a huge game. We're not going to get to the Wizards and the Hawks game, but Markeith Morris, like, I don't want to say he shut down Paul Millsap or that he necessarily even overshadowed him. He gave him a really hard time, and he frustrated the hell out of him. So shout out to all the instigators in the league. Yeah. Good job, you dicks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what an instigator is. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, Speaking of, we'll go to Jason Kidd's team. We're talking about upsets and how Well, speaking of, wait, hold on. Wait, what? Speaking of dicks, uh... Jason Kidd, not not the nicest guy. I like him a lot as a coach. I'm not going to explain this further. Yeah, I know. I, he, has a, he has a checkered past. Yeah, a little, little bit. I mean, he, listen, he's one of these guys that, you know, does everything to get an advantage, and I respect him for it. He's scrappy. He's gritty. He's got Deli on his team, who's all those things, as is Malcolm Brogdon, who I once referred to as College Brogdon on the show. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think about him without thinking College Brogdon, but I digress. I mean, he was a big story the other night when the Bucks upset the Raptors. Playoff Raptors showed up, which was very unfortunate. Uh, this was one of those series that, you know, we kind of talked about saying this is going to be the popular pick for the upset, but Toronto's too good this year, except they're not, except they, they look pretty pitiful. You know, the the Raptors' backcourt, unfortunately, you know, had another one of those games where it's just like, these guys aren't playoff players. I mean, DeRozan finishes with 27 points, but he shot 7-21 to 21 from the field. Kyle Lowry was just miserable on Saturday. He went for four points on 2 of 11 from the field. Lowry. The Bucks played The Bucks played an incredible game. I mean, Giannis was a stud. He goes for 28 points. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon had 16. He hits four threes in that game. Greg Monroe. Greg Monroe is going to win six man of the year, and he's made so many changes to his game. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's funny now that we get to watch Milwaukee because it's the playoffs. These guys were good. They had a good season, and they showed that they might be able to beat Toronto. You drinking the Kool-Aid, or do you think Toronto is going to come back strong in the series, Joe? I need an explanation as to what the hell happens to Kyle Lowry when the playoffs start. Like, I, I'm serious. Like I have no idea what is what. Like, last year... I would I would go out of my way to be like yeah it doesn't mean like he's choking and blah 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 now I don't know what goes on in the playoffs with Kyle Lowry I don't because he was awful like abominable yeah I mean he was he was terrible you, there's just there's he no didn't way look like an NBA player he looked like some dude just dribbling the ball around chucking it up every once in a while and this is coming off the best season of his career by far I mean he was out for a while with an injury but we we're kind of hoping that that would rest him up and you know kind of make him fresh for the playoffs whereas the last couple of years it just looked like he had no juice left when when it was spring and it was playoff time you know he he played the last four games of the season after missing you know clo- close to 15 or so I want to say and he looked terrible he looked terrible this weekend I, I think terrible. he'll get it back together a little bit I just Milwaukee looked like they had all the power, all the confidence in that game. Toronto didn't even look like they belonged, and I was really surprised. I was I was surprised to see it. I didn't think they'd get their butts kicked like that. And Giannis, Giannis easily looked like the best player in the court on the court. Uh, do you have any other takeaways from Milwaukee in that game? Your boy, your boy, uh, what's his face? Delhi, Delhi has a big game too. Oh, whatever, Delhi. Who cares about Delhi? If we're gonna talk about anybody, we should talk about College Brogdon. Um. Listen, Milwaukee's a little bit different, though, because they had Chris Middleton come back towards the end of the season-ish. So, I mean, like, you know, like they were a good team that got better by the addition of a dude that was hurt. And uh, I can't wait. I kind of hope this game goes seven and we get, like, the random Michael Beasley game. Oh, my God. Nothing would be better than the Michael Beasley game. Well, that's what, oh. I, that's what I'm really rooting for. Like, I was, like, I was thinking, I was trying to think, like, do I, like, because I don't honestly think Toronto is going to lose to Milwaukee in the series, right? Because I just can't believe it. 
And I'm not saying it's not possible or like guaranteeing. I'm just saying like it's it's really hard to believe that a really good Toronto team is going to lose to a, an up and coming Milwaukee team. You know what I mean? So I was like, well, what would what would it take for Milwaukee to like win three more games? And I was like, probably a Michael Beasley game. <laughs> That'd be incredible. Uh, <laughs> also, a lot of fun to see. I'm going to go for it here, Joe. Thon McCurr. McCurr, I think is how his name is really pronounced. McCurr, it's not Maker. Also fun to watch Thon McCurr. Be <laughs> you, did you make him Jewish? That's Yeah, I mean, I guess it does sound kind of Jewish. No, I, I'm trying to think who it was. I think it was Howard Beck did a feature on him, and they were discussing him on uh, the Low Post maybe a month or two ago, and they were saying, you guys, it's not Maker, it's McCurr. So, yeah, I won't do the... Like Tupac Shakur, but Thon McCurr? Thon McCurr, yeah. I McCaw? Just gonna sound like you have some phlegm in your mouth? Is that what the, they're saying? Yes, I believe it would be in your throat. McCurr. What if it's in my mouth, though? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna bring back Mehmet O'Kerr to the show because I think it's one of those. Oh, okay, that makes Thon, sense. Thon McCurr. Thon McCurr. Anyway, I like Thon Maker so much better, though. Yeah, it rolls off the tongue a little bit easier. We'll call him Thon. Thon had a, a say Giannis' name. You just say Giannis' name well. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, that's so. Well, I can't do that. Giannis Anacompodupo. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty close to what everybody else says. Clyde Frazier has the best rendition. He calls him Anacubo. <laughs> I like in the beginning of his career when Giannis was going, and like people didn't really know who he was. I can't remember what NBA play-by-play guy is like. I'm not trying his name, so he's just like Giannis. Giannis on every play. He was Giannis for a while. I mean, listen, I think I think he kind of you know earned the the Greek freak is how anybody's ever going to refer to him. We're not even calling him Alphabet anymore. For a while, it was Alphabet, but he's going to be one of those first name guys. I mean, it's never going to be a point where you're like, yeah, everybody loves you know Kawhi, LeBron, and Antetokounmpo. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's just not. If those guys get their first name, we're definitely going to give Giannis. His oh first man, name. I almost wanted purposely to be the other way around though. I wanted to be that they have to say his last name because it's it, the way you just said it. It's so much funnier. Only one way to make it happen, and that is to practice it. So I will look forward to conversation with you referring to Giannis as the name that you can't even pronounce. Nope, so, There it is. Well, yeah, Giannis was a beast, and the Bucks were fun to watch. And just, you know, this, this team, I didn't get to watch enough of them during the regular season, but it's no surprise. Jason Kidd gets a bunch of long guys. Even Tony Snell looked good in this game. I mean, they, they just they have a ton of height. They, they play aggressive on, def- on defense. They're fun to watch. I didn't realize Spencer Hawes was on this team, so I guess shout-out to Spencer Hawes still being in the league. I um, My favorite thing was Jason Terry checking into a ga- or checking out of the game and then seeing him stand next to Jason Kidd and be like, Jason Terry looks like he's like nine years older than Jason Kidd. <laughs> yeah, he does, he does a little bit. Those guys those guys have been together for a few years now. A long so. time, a long time. I, is Jason Terry older? No, Jason Kidd's definitely older. Jason Terry was part of that uh, 99 draft this, class with Elton Brand and Steve Francis and those guys. And Jason Kidd obviously came into the league in 95. Oh, wow. Or Man, I, I feel like somebody said it the other day, like in the 2002 draft, there's only six dudes left. And I'm like, is this how quick time goes by? Do you know what I mean? Like, it just made me feel really old. You know what? I That's funny. I saw somebody tweet that, too. And I think it was Bomani Mike, Jones. I think it was Bomani. Yeah, it was. Bo, Bo said, I think Mike, Mike Dunleavy's the last guy standing from the 2002 draft. And I just I couldn't think of it on the spot, but, you know, not not to derail our show too much. You, you go through that draft, and just off the top of my head, I mean, Yao was the first pick, Jay Williams out of the league, and then it's Dunleavy. After that, I think it's Carlos Boozer out of the league. Uh, was that Drew Gooden's draft too? No, Carlos Boozer. I'm sorry, went late in that round. He went. Uh, Carlos Boozer went in the second round. Second round. Second round. Right. He was the first pick of the second round. 
I meant Drew Gooden. Drew Gooden went after uh, what's his face, whoever we're talking Drew about. Drew Gooden had a good run in the league. Sure, yeah, he was fine. I feel like he might have been on an NBA roster at some point this season, although I think he finished the season doing, like, analyst work. I'm not sure. Anyway, so Drew Gooden, I think Nicholas Skeet is, is really— Drew, is, Juan, is Juwan Howard still in the uniform? Juwan Howard has officially been an assistant coach. No, I know, but remember, like, there, there reached a point in Juwan Howard's career, like, every season he'd just be on somebody's bench. He'd be like, but it's year 25. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, he, he just never stopped signed. playing. Yeah, he's a he's a player slash assistant coach that doesn't play. Well, how, long, how long has Udonis Haslam Haslam been in the NBA? He's he been in the, line the time. LeBron the LeBron Wade draft. Yeah, I thought so. I know he's been in the NBA a lot of time. But go, going back to that draft, I mean, you had Nene in that draft. You had Amari Stoudemire. You had Dewan Wagner. I mean, none of those guys are in Man, the NBA. Dewan Wagner. Yeah, Dewan Wagner. I thought he was going to be fire. NBA. I feel like he hasn't been in the NBA for longer than he was drafted. Like he he's been out of the league for twenty years, even though he only got drafted fifteen years ago. All right, let's let's stop rambling about this. Kids got to remember, Dewan Wagner. Had he not had those medical issues, could have been something. I don't know if he would have been good, but he scored a lot in high school. He sure did. Uh, I mean, he he played he a year good at college, Memphis. Too. Yeah, he went, yeah, Memphis. He went to Memphis, right? Right. Yeah, he had a good. He was good at Memphis. So that's when Memphis was just starting to build again. I feel like that was the first, like, crazy recruit that Cal landed. I am pretty sure it was. I, I'm going to go off memory here, but I don't think that that team was great. But I think he was great and kind of helped them out and elevated them during the build. And that was when Calipari first started retooling that program. I think so, too. I didn't get around to the 30 for 30, but I'm going to try to tomorrow. Oh, what a... Man, I thought it was an evenly done 30 for 30. Like, they didn't make him look too good or too bad. But man, he's uh you can see why people like that meet him like him because man is he charming. Yeah, I mean listen, that's not a that's not breaking news here, but the yeah, most impressive yeah. thing was we found like a lot you know how like a lot of guys say, Yeah, I care about the kid more than I care about anything else and I'll keep in contact with him. He's like talking to like dudes parents, like bad players' parents, like twenty years after he recruits them. Just to shoot the shit. It's awesome. Like think that's about awesome. that. He's probably coached I don't know, close to a thousand players at this point. You know what I mean? And sure. he's keeping in contact with so many of them. Just like, hey, what's up? What's going on? How are we doing? Do you need anything? It's amazing. I, yeah, how do you even like have a Rolodex that big to keep all those guys? I wouldn't. Up? I would hate that. I hate being on the phone. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's what he does, and he does it really well. Um, well, we'll get to that after I watch it. I really do want to see it before I talk about it. But <laughs> good let's, point. Let's, <laughs> Marcus. The biggest take was Marcus Camby said that at UMass he was the one that did everything wrong, and Calipari had no idea. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I wonder if uh, Rose would ever say anything like that, but uh, we'll see. Well, <laughs> well see. Marcus Camby just seems like a good dude. Because Marcus Camby's like, listen, I'm years enough removed where I can say this and not really care. It will not impact my life at yeah. all. Correct. Where Derek Rose is seeking a max contract coming off a knee surgery. But we'll talk about the Knicks in a little bit. Let's finish the playoffs up, Joe. Uh, there was really a, one more game I kind of wanted to talk about. Didn't really feel we needed to get into the Thunder Rockets game last night because the Rockets just destroyed Oklahoma City. You really but want to talk Grizzlies? Uh, I actually do not <laughs> want to talk Grizzlies. I don't ever want to talk Grizzlies. Although, shout out to them blowing the lead. Marcus Gasol's a stud. That, that's all you need to know. Oh, he had a uh, good first half. He had a great first half. Now, the only other game I really wanted to get to, uh, and it's it's just it's not that big of a deal because I don't think either of, this team, either of these teams really have any kind of you know deep playoff runs in them, but... The 4-5 out West was one of the best games we saw all weekend. This was the one game that ended on a buzzer beater. Uh, the Jazz upset the Clippers at home, take back home court advantage, do it after losing Rudy Gobert, who is 
should be Defensive Player of the Year. He should be the Defensive Player of the Year this year, Rudy Gobert. They lose him 17 seconds into this game, and they're still able to beat the Clippers on the road. Joe, do you take anything away from this game, or do you think this is just going to be you know, a nail-biter? Of a Iso series? Joe Johnson. That's what he does. Um, my favorite th- part of this game was after the postgame when the dude asked Doc Rivers, and Doc Rivers just snapped. Oh, my God. Eric Pincus, R.I.P. Eric Pincus. <laughs> Listen, um, because I I saw people debating the question, like, isn't it better to hold? Listen, you need to get the points, right? And by getting the points quicker, you give yourself, in case you miss it, the most opportunities, you extend the game. Like, the two points aren't a given. The idea that they should, like, Doc Rivers is right. It is a dumb question. Right. So you're unfamiliar with the situation. The clip, the Clippers were down two with 20 seconds left, and you know Chris Paul goes for the quick two to tie the game up. Obviously, the game ends on Joe Johnson hitting a game winner. Post game, a reporter, Eric Pincus, who covers the Clippers, asked Doc if you know maybe they should have taken more time off the clock before going for that shot. To which Doc says, "That's the dumbest question I ever heard. We needed to score, so we scored." Yeah. So like, and I'm not even a Doc Rivers dude. So this isn't me like being like, "Yeah, what Doc says is great." I'm actually pretty anti Doc. I saw people trying to explain this, the, the answer, like why the question was asked on Twitter, like other other writers and reporters. And I'm like, yeah, no. Like when you're down, if there's, you know, five or a minute left, you should try to score. Like in the most natural flow of the way of the game possible, Chris Paul got the, I, the lane to the basket. He scored. And so I saw Joe Johnson went down the other and made like a pretty awful shot. Do you know what I mean? So like, I don't like if had they weighed it, and then whoever on on the Clippers missed a shot, they wouldn't left themselves enough time for a putback or whatever. So like it's just a dumb question. Like you you by extending the game when you're down two, you need to extend the game as long as you could because you might not get two points on that pos- that first possession or any possession for that matter. Right. Don't yep, try to yeah. don't try to overcomplicate a simple a simple thing. You're down two. You need to score. With that said, do you think Doc overreacted? Yes, Doc did overreact. <laughs> he could have just been like, no, this is what... Like, I get it. He's probably frustrated and emotional, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I, the reporter didn't mean malice by it. Like, I, like I'm killing him saying it's a stupid question. He didn't mean malice. He was just probably looking for a quote. You know what I mean? And right. Doc, Doc gave him one. <laughs> <laughs> he sure did. He made him the story. So, uh, I, it's funny. I was, like, reading his Twitter all... Eric Pincus, reading his Twitter all day yesterday waiting for him to, like, crush Doc. He defended his question. He retweeted a few people who were defending him. But, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's funny when the media becomes the story. I digress. The story here, though, is, you know, the Clippers losing this game. And listen, you know, the Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles, man. Joe Joe Ingles didn't have that. (laughs) No, I know. I just want to say Joe Ingles. It's a fun name to say. It's even more fun when you just call him Jingles. Uh, (laughs) Is that his nickname? Yeah, that is his nickname, Jingles. Oh, he's a new favorite player in the NBA. (laughs) <laughs> now, I'm surprised he wasn't already, but Boris Dio has a good game. I mean, just th- this whole team, they, they play good team basketball, they, they slow you down, they, they play good defense, and they were able to do it even without Gobert. Are you worried for the Clippers, Joe? I mean, for me, watching this team, I, I've paid a lot of attention to this team over the last few years. I kind of always stick up for them. I really don't like that Chris Paul, you know, gets gets crushed as much as he does because, you know, his team plays in a ridiculous Western Conference and he just can't get them past you know, the other juggernauts of his era. But, I mean, like, this team looked lifeless through stretches. They don't look like they enjoy playing basketball anymore. I, I know it makes the most sense for them to all stick together so they can all make the most money, but they look sick of each other. I mean, You love talking just, about the Clippers breaking up, maybe. It, it, I, that's that's a, a, let's wait till they get eliminated, and then we'll do a whole podcast on that. 
Of course, I'm jumping the gun. I'm just saying this is like don't... the third podcast in a row you mentioned if they're going to break up. It's a story. It's big. I mean, they have two of you know the top fifteen or so players in the league on the team, and I mean, you well, know, you have JJ Redick in the top fifteen. Why you hate Blake? <laughs> JJ, just... I saw Blake Griffin shoot a jumper in that game, right? And uh, one, he got no like zero feet off the ground on his jumper, and like I know, like he has that hitch in his jump, like he kind of like he like kind of shoots on his way down, right? But, like, I watched, and I was just like, man, that's... And it fell short, obviously. And I was like, man, that's just such... It was the ugliest, like... And his jumper's not pretty. But, like, it's, it was one of the ugliest jumpers I ever saw taken. He was, uh... I can't remember when in the game, but it was, at, like, a, around the, the elbow of the fall line. And I just remember going, thinking, like, ugh. Like, just, ugh. And I just... I was like, the Clippers are gonna lose. <laughs> because yeah, of mean, that jumper. But it's fair. And, I mean, I feel like that jumper is probably symbolic of a lot of their offensive struggles. Where Why does he shoot his like- jumper on the way down? It makes no sense. It's weird, but they just they don't they don't look like they have rhythm in stretches. And I felt that way watching you know the majority of the fourth quarter of that game. Even though they outscored Utah, it just it looked like they didn't know where their offense was going to come from. I mean, it's big that Chris Paul takes that shot at the end of the game. I feel like maybe he just needs to dominate the offense. Maybe he needs to come out and look to score for it. Yeah, I, I think that's know. what it is. I do. I think Chris Paul kind of just needs to be. Remember, like early in his career, like when he had to be like that alpha, yeah. and he would be that alpha. I think he kind of, at this point, it's just got to be like, all right, I'll, t- I'll shoot 20 shots this game. I think he wants to be. I think he worries, though, if he does that, the guys around him just don't do anything else. That, Who cares? That this, this is his, his eight-mile moment. He only has one chance. Yeah. Till this Clippers team gets blown up. <laughs> Why are you talking about the Clippers getting blown up all the time? Man, I, I, I can't. I, 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 I do can't. Like, we are going to dedicate a podcast to the Clippers team because I do think the Clippers are a good team. And I think they're gonna. I, I do think they're better than Utah. And they're gonna beat Utah in the series. And I do think if if the Clippers were in the East the last three years, we'd look at them so differently than we look at them now. They just hit super wrong timing in the West because Definitely. like like they have a really good team. Like they have four dudes on the same team that everybody in the and yeah, I was gonna say in the country because I'm still in college basketball mode. Everybody in the NBA would kill for. So yeah, I, like I, I think so too. I, I just think like yeah, sometimes they stink. No, they don't even sing. Sometimes they just lose. And it's just that the West Co- the Western Conference is just really, really good. And I know it's not as good as they, the, the Western Conference is not as good as, you know, years past. But, like, I mean, like, the Jazz are a good team. They're up, up and coming. The season says they're about the same, like, quality-wise. And they have, like, a stud. Now, they don't have, like, the four-stud motion. Like, Joe Ingles isn't going to be confused with, you know, De- DeAndre Jordan. But, Jingles. But, um, you know, like, you have Derek Favors, who people love, and and Gordon Hayward's Gordon Hayward's like a good player. Like I, I'm not like super Gordon Hayward like other players. Like I know Rudy Gobert like he, he got hurt, but like you said, like he's defensive player of the year. Probably he had the second most win shares in the NBA. And regardless of how you Joe feel Johnson's about those- fit great on that team. Yep. Yeah. No, they're, they're a very good team. I, Max I, on that team. I think you were right in saying you know there's just other good teams and sometimes you lose and it's not it about, okay. You know, it's not I, about sucking. It's not about not being a good team. It's just you lose games. You can't win them all. Like here's the thing. Like like. Like Memphis lost, they suck. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they do stink. Like, and I that's nothing. It's Memphis. Yeah. They just got old. Like, they're really good players. Got old, and they don't have a lot of depth. And missing, they're missing Tony Allen too. I mean, and they're playing the Spurs. They're playing the freaking Spurs. Yeah, you know, you just it's it's a luck. And I I just I think for the Clippers now, you know, you kind of look at it and it's like, well, I mean, Gobert's out, so there's really no excuse. They they should win this game. So, I mean, that that's kind of where I'm going to draw my line in the sand. They need to stop like, Rodney Hood. Right, right. Dante I mean, like, Axum. 
These are, ga- these are games they should win. I mean, George, George Hill is a very nice player. I like George Hill a lot. I like Boris Diaw a lot. Like, I, I like this team, but the Clippers, on paper, have the better team, and, you know, Chris Paul just needs to figure out a way to win these games. I'm not criticizing him. I mean, he goes for 25, 11, and 7 in this game, has three steals, really gets it done on both ends of the court, just... They cannot lose in the first round. They cannot afford to lose this series. And Remember when Alec Burks was supposed to be a good player? He was supposed to be a good player. They gave him a decent contract. And uh, I don't think he's been able to stay healthy is what I think his problem's been above anything else. Oh, yeah. And well, he this, got, this year, yeah. He got laughed. He got laughed. I mean, you have you have Hayward, you have Joe Johnson, and you have Rodney Hood on this team. Where does it? Where does the Alec Burke minutes come from? But I digress. I'm just... I'm, I'm sorry. I was, I was just looking over uh, Utah's roster, and like a lot of the guys that were supposed to be good just... like. Burke and Exum, right? Like, they're non-factors. Like, if you told people two years ago that Exum and Burks were going to be non-factors, they would have they told you Utah would have been horrible. Yeah, I, I would think so, too. I mean, these are these were both very high picks for them. Dante Exum, unfortunately, you know, has had to deal with a lot of injuries, but he just, Shelvin Mack kind of has taken some of his playoff time. It's Which been, I'm pro. I, like, think about it. The, the, Butler, the Butler situation going on there? Yeah, yeah. Get your, uh, get your Shelvin, get your Gordon, and... Uh, Get Brad Stevens, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, sure. I right now. Who, who else? Who else was on that Butler team? Who was the big man? Matt was his name. Matt Bryant is that uh, who he's, it was? He's dead. Really? That's I'm, right. I'm, oh. I'm pretty sure he's dead. Um, I can't think of his name right off the top of my head. I'm going to say the wrong last name, so let me look it up. Because I, the name that jumped on my head, I'm pretty sure is wrong, but I'm going to check to make sure. Matt Bryant is a. I think it's. Player. I think it's Matt Costello. No, it Matt Costello played for Michigan State. Right. Paul Costello, I think it was. <laughs> oh, this is the this accurate. This is bad. This is bad. Well, All right. What, 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 let's, let's just move on. Yeah, we, we don't, we don't need to announce the depth of somebody that died two years ago. Correct. Or talk about Butler basketball. Again, just a bad look for the Clippers to lose this game. Chris but, Holton, uh, good coach. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, Joe, anything else you want to talk about for the playoffs? Because I think that's all I had. Um, You want to di- do a deep dive into Memphis? No, that's LA? okay. No, that's okay. Let's uh wait. But before we leave, Warriors, nice win over Portland. Ian Clark, their baby. Guys, their guys went nuts. Ian Clark, Joe, you're good at this playoff thing. Twelve and twelve. Uh, you know, Joe made a great point to me before we started recording. Both Lillard and McCollum went absolute bonkers, and they didn't stand a chance. So I think you can expect to see more of that moving forward. I'm still going to go with the Golden State sweep here. I mean, maybe Portland takes a home game, but this isn't going to be a close series. I concur. All right, Joe, let's do some That Don't Look Good. CL, you silly bastard, hit the music. It might not be a fault, but maybe it is. The optics don't look good. That don't look good. Oh, goodness. So, I don't even want to leave this topic off. I don't even want to discuss it, but it, it can't not be discussed because it really doesn't look good. And surprise, surprise, the New York Knicks not looking good once again. Phil Jackson graciously addressed the media on Friday for the first time all season. You would think that with Derrick Rose going missing and all the crap he was talking about Carmelo Anthony during the season and the Knicks being the biggest underachievers in the NBA during the season, we'd have heard from him prior to Friday. But Phil Jackson Jackson addresses the media and didn't hold any punches about Carmelo Anthony, who, we must remind you, just finished year three of his five-year contract that Phil Jackson signed him to which also includes a no-trade clause, so Carmelo Anthony has to agree to any trade proposal that Phil Jackson throws out there before he can move on on his career and the Knicks can move on from him. 
But one way or another, Phil Jackson made it pretty clear that he does want both sides to to break up and to, to move on without each other. He said Carmelo Anthony would be better suited playing elsewhere. He also said the team would be better off without Carmelo on it. Uh, you know, he said Melo doesn't want to go out, you know, as a loser, which is how it's going to end for him if he finishes his career with the Knicks, which feels weird because it's like Phil's admitting the team's not <laughs> Yeah, right? That's my thing. <laughs> like, is that what you're saying? Like, if you stay in New York, you're going to be a loser because we damn sure ain't winning. Uh, you know, it just... It was really bad. I don't really want to get into the other aspects of the Phil Jackson press conference, you know, where he said the team is, you know, going to consider bringing back Derrick Rose, who said he wants to come back badly, which trash. That's just trash. Uh, and these comments kind of led to another terrible thing happening Friday night. Chris Dobbs. Chris Dobbs Porzingis skips his exit interview with the team, which for your second year player who you're hoping is going to be the franchise player one day is going to be a cornerstone, is going to be the guy, you know, after Melo, who you're building a team around, who, hey, maybe you should have already started building this team around. He skips his exit meeting after his second year in the NBA. Joe, tell me why all this doesn't look good, because I'm obviously too biased to uh, to do so. Oh, no. Uh, well, if you listen to Tommy D, the real story here is that the underreporting of Knicks fans wanting to play triangle or something, even though Woj, who's an actual NBA reporter, says that's quality. Um... I'm not, see, gonna scream, but I'm not going to scream about Tommy. Did G. you see his tweets still. during this whole thing? It was it's embarrassing. Like he outed himself as a dude that's just lying. Um, the uh, Philip Jackson held everybody accountable but himself. Um, the thing with the Carmelo Anthony comments, I don't hate. It's just like, dude, where were you all season? Do you know what I mean? Like you could have said this much earlier. Um, I don't hate like the idea because he didn't say anything wrong with Melo. Like he's like, hey, like listen, we're not going to win. I think everybody knows that. And Melo's not going to win there, and he's better off probably winning somewhere else, and I think that's pretty accurate. Now, him, like, hinting at, like, things weren't working because of Melo was kind of ridiculous because, you know, as Woj wrote in his, his column the other night, you know, like, that the outdated triangle offense and all this other stuff and people holding resentments towards Rambus because Rambus is kind of Phil Jackson puppet, and, they're, you know, there's dissension there because it's not Hornets X guy, um, which makes a really weird dynamic there. That's why, the, like, you know what I mean? And how they're, they're trying to present... The, the aura of wanting to win more than they're actually trying to win, like the front office and stuff. But um, the biggest thing, the biggest thing, like whatever with Camelo, right? Because, like, if you're a Knicks fan, you're not going to win. You're not going to lose with Melo. He's aging. If he leaves, it's not going to change tomorrow. And if he stays, it's not going to change tomorrow. You're going to be bad tomorrow regardless. The stories here what's what's happening with Kristaps, who... In these early years, you have to worry about his development. You have to worry about his mindset. You have to worry about him holding, you know, like a grudge towards James Dolan. Um, so yeah, like that's really bad. Like we're your guy, your unicorn, your walrus, your magical wildebeest, who is really young and seven foot three and has a lot of talent. Goes yeah, I even know this situation's really messed. I'm going back to my country. Peace. And I think that's... And he, and he didn't. I mean, there, he was on Snapchat yesterday riding bikes through Central Park. So it's not like a, yeah, I'm getting out of here. I can't be in New York. It's like a, nah, I'm just not going to work today because I don't want to deal with this shit. Yeah. And um, I know, like, the people are trying to say, like, well, you know, he did a similar thing last year by going back to his home. Like, listen, it's his home. Like, you know, he doesn't live here. Like, he's not from America. So, like, he's allowed to go home. You know what I mean? So, like, that that that's part of it, too. But... He's not happy. He was liking what Instagram a post by Carmelo or whoever. When yes, yeah, so Melo posted <laughs> after Phil Jackson's presser. Melo posts, you know, the Leo, Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio picture of and with the caption, "Really, 
where it's just like disbelief face and Chris Stapps likes it. Willie Hernan Gomez likes it. Like the entire NBA liked it, which bodes really well for Phil Jackson. Well, the thing is Phil Jackson is easily like becoming one of the most hated executives in the NBA for a variety of reasons, but mostly because of his own arrogance. And uh, yeah, man, this is where James Dolan's loyalty to, to dudes who will eat the bullets for him is going to hurt the Knicks even more. He did this with Isaiah Thomas. Like, because people aren't paying attention to how bad of owner, owner James Dolan is, but they are paying attention to how awful Phil Jackson is, James Dolan is going to honor that and be loyal towards Phil Jackson for it. So, like, we're going to see Phil Jackson's contract run through. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the funny part, too, is, you know, I don't remember if it was Friday or Thursday, but this comes on the heels of the Knicks agreeing to the <laughs> Senate, you know. Yeah. Right, they, they agreed, you know, to the extra two-year option. They opted into it. So it's not like Phil's going anywhere. I mean, we, we've seen teams, you know, re-sign a, a, a coach or something along those lines and then fire them. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Knicks do, you know, fire Phil Jackson here. And when I say the Knicks, I mean Dolan because – Jackson's the president of basketball operations. He makes the decisions at this time. What if he fired himself? That'd be yeah, funny. That'd he be held the press conference. He's like, you know, this guy's underperformed. He gives like a really fair and balanced critique of himself. And he goes, I got to let him go. Bill Jackson, you are fine. <laughs> he goes all Vince about it. I mean, yeah, that, that'd be great. And then he'd still get to, to get his money because he got fired instead of quitting, I guess. I I, don't oh, know I, wonder, to... I wonder the dynamics of that. Like, if he fired himself, would he still get... Because that's what I would do right now. Sign that two-year extension and immediately fire myself and just get the money and walk away. Everybody would win in that scenario. But I, I can't help but wonder. I mean, we know that James Dolan has an affinity for Carmelo Anthony. The Knicks gutted their roster to get him. Dolan kind of stepped in and told Donnie Walsh, no, you don't wait for free agency. You give up whatever they're asking for so we can get this guy now. So, I mean, you know Dolan loves Melo. Melo obviously puts butts in seats sells jerseys, you know, he's he's the most accomplished Nick that, that the team's had since Patrick Ewing, unquestionably. Since I Alan help, Houston. I mean, you know. I'm serious, Alan, Alan Houston was good, man. Alan Houston was good. He was a good Nick. He's not a 10-time All-Star. He's not, you know, and listen, say what you will about Carmelo. Maybe he's a little overrated. He has more star appeal than Alan Houston had. He's Baloney, Alan Houston was a stud. No, come on. I mean, he was the best player on the Knicks, but there wasn't a Knicks fan that felt good about that five-year, $100 million contract. Not one of them. Nor should they. Did he get injured after that or before that? When, when was he? After it. Yeah. After it. Yeah, like immediately after it. It was bad. No more Allen Houston. Sorry. I, I just remember really liking his jump shot. I loved Allen Houston. I had the guy's jersey. I still do. This isn't to say anything bad about Allen Houston. Yeah, don't you slander just, Allen Houston. Do you think he's one of the least remembered like stars from that era? Because nobody ever talks about Allen Houston. I think it depends what you mean by star. I, I like that. Let's whole put it on the poll. Do you remember Alan Houston? Yes or no? Okay, I'll, I'll do a poll. I mean, I think you should probably do that poll because I have a ton of Knicks fans that follow me, so they're all going to remember him. Uh, but, how about the, how about, is, do was Alan Houston a star? That that's better. All right, let's get back on the rails. No, I like being happy. Let's let's break down Levar Postel's game. <laughs> former Nick. He is a former Nick. I remember. So I remember Levar Postel. Getting a start, right? Because whoever was coaching the team at the time, like, he was such, like, I guess Lamar Postel was such, saying, like, if you just gave me time, I'd score 20 points a game, too, or whatever he was saying. And, like, they started and he scored 19 points, and then he was kicked off the team, like, three weeks later. He didn't score 20. That's all that matters. Really, though, just to wrap up this whole Knicks thing, I can't help but wonder if Melo went to Dolan and was like, do you see this shit? 
we can't do this anymore. You got to let him go. Like you got to let him go. I can't deal with. I think Melo's resigned to being traded at this point. Right. That's right. what it seems I'm, like. I think like I think like as long as they find the because that's that's a really complicated situation. He has to okay the trade. The Knicks have to be okay with what's getting back, and the other team has to be okay with giving up whatever they're giving up for Carmelo Anthony, which is at the like right now like. His trade value is at the lowest point it'll ever be, ever. And it keeps getting lower. So because he's like, made it this way. And, right. um, like, 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 realistically, the Knicks might get back hot garbage. I mean, they were talking during the season that the best offer they had was Austin Rivers. You know, Austin Rivers, garbage contract filler, and maybe you get a first-round pick in the future, even though the Clippers don't have a first-round pick to give up until, I want to say, 2021 or something like that. He's He's really hurt Melo's value and that's not to say you know Melo's this great player that he was a few years ago he's had a couple of major surgeries since you know he's going to be 33 this offseason it's also interesting that Phil said in the press conference that he expects to get you know a very good player back for Carmelo granted I mean I don't think he could say you know well, he has to say if that, I get yeah. a role player and a couple of second round draft picks you can't say that publicly but really hoping for two second rounders and Terry Rozier <laughs> Hey, you're asking for Terry Rozier, you're asking for trouble. That's not feasible. Here. Listen, Boston fans are going to tell you right now on your Twitter that's Terry Rozier and Carmelo Anthony straight up. I think Celtics fans probably hate Terry Rozier because he is the reason they don't have Jimmy Butler. No, but... they're insane. These Celtics fans, they have no brain. Like, they don't understand. Like, they think, like, they will, because, because one time Danny Ainge made a great trade, they think, like, what Danny Ainge says, like, yeah, Terry Rozier is a great asset, that, like, Terry Rozier is legitimately untouchable unless you're getting, like, LeBron back. Right, right. I don't want to crush Celtics fans. I think we did on Friday. We certainly did. And well, we didn't. Jason did. Jason did. And you just called him dumb, so I digress. Who? Sorry, Jason, Celtics I called Jason I dumb or Celtics fans dumb? You just called Celtics fans dumb. Who racist. <laughs> Nobody listens at the 59-minute more portion of the podcast anyway. I'm hoping they they stuck they stuck through <laughs> to listen to the Knicks stuff today and absurd questions because I have a good one. Um, yeah, we're going to do that in a minute. I just I, I don't know how this is all going to play out. It looks really bad, and it's incredible that like we're only two days removed from the season, and it's already a disastrous off season for the Knicks. Like it just it keeps sinking lower and lower. Like there is no rock bottom for them. At least they have Joe Kim Noah under contract, right? And there's no reason to have any confidence <laughs> that Phil Jackson's going to be the guy to turn things around. I wonder when Dolan presses the panic button. I can't believe he hasn't done it yet. I can't wait till he signs Carlos Boozer Boos up the scrap heap for two years. All right, Joe, let's year. do some absurd questions. I don't ah, want I don't want to hear you talk about the Knicks anymore. I'm going to go first. All right, Joe. You go ahead. Go ahead, my if friend. If you were to gather up, if you were to gather up all of the crumbs around your house Whoa. that came specifically from food that you ate, Me. what would you expect to find the most of? Uh oh, the most of um. Yeah. So what? What is your? What do you make the most crumbs of? And Follow-up question, where are those crumbs? Like, are you a I eat potato chips in bed person? No, I don't mean, but it's probably something, vinegar chips. Ooh, love it. Kettle, <laughs> kettle or regular? I can only eat kettle, sea salt, vinegar No, chips. regular. And probably by the couch. I don't eat them in bed. I don't eat them at the kitchen table. What weirdo eats chips at the kitchen table? Um, What weirdo uses a kitchen table? Well, I do with my family. Dinner at the couch or bust? That's that's. I Whoa! Guess what, like, well, here's I guess where that's like, like we had had the conversation the other day with the kids, right? We were at, like, I noticed the trend of we were having dinner at the kitchen table, but they were going on like their their tablets, and like for a while, like I never said anything, and then I'm like, why are we even eating at the kitchen table together if they're not going to be paying attention? Like, so like the family dynamic. So I'm like, either I was like, either no more electronics at the kitchen table when we eat dinner, 
or we're just going to eat wherever we want. Because it was stupid. They're, the four of us are sitting there, and they're not even paying attention. They're watching YouTube clips. Terrible. It is terrible. I, I wish I could go back in time and never give my daughters any of the electronics they have. I wish we were Amish. <laughs> Except, like, I wish I wasn't Amish. I wish they were Amish. <laughs> I, really like my, I like my electronics, but their electronics, they're ruining them. Um, but there's a runner-up here to the salt and vinegar chips. It's probably Pop-Tarts. I eat, like, a, an ungodly amount of Pop-Tarts, like, at least a, 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 a sleeve, a pairing. You know, they come in twos, a pairing yeah, a day. You, you call it a sleeve, I guess. Yeah, I wanted to call it a sleeve really bad for some reason. But I'm going to say cool. Pop-Tarts. I, like, um, I was on a cinnamon sugar um, bender for a while, but my oldest daughter asked to get, like, the Oreo ones. And then I had an Oreo one last night. It was delicious. Nice. So I think I'm going to be in the Oreo. Oreo uh, I haven't had a Pop-Tart in a while, but I usually fluctuate between strawberry or cherry and uh, s'mores or chocolate fudge. I like the chocolate fudge ones a lot, like the regular chocolate ones. Oh, yeah, they're good. Well, the, the, I used to like blueberry a ton, like a ton. But the thing with the blueberry or the strawberry, like any of the kind of the berry ones that aren't like straight, like, because a lot of the other ones, are they kind of taste like... Uh, Artificial? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah okay. I'm not saying That's the blueberry I... ones taste like blueberries. I'm just saying like they taste a little more natural. Um, they they taste really good when you toast them, and I don't think like the Oreo one's gonna taste good if I toast it. Right. That's a good uh, cold pop tart. Yeah. I think you could put that like in a bowl of cereal and eat it. Oh my god! I'm so happy you said that, Joe. I can't tell you how often I take my pop tarts and just cut them up and put them in a bowl with milk. Oh, we do we do this in our house. Depending, it can't like the brown cinnamon sugar pop tarts not going in a bowl of cereal. Oreo one right. definitely. The fudge one probably. Strawberry definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah good call. So what pop tarts? That's your your crumb of uh, that's choice. A, I, guess? I think salt vinegar is one. Pop tarts two, and then the th- I don't. I'm not a huge snack guy. Otherwise, so it'd just be whatever it was for dinner or lunch. What about you? Uh, you know, I actually, I asked this question because I was eating, uh, reheated pizza last night. And <laughs> in bits were falling all over the place? Like, uh, wood chipper? Yeah, I, I was on, on my couch, <laughs> and I mean, like, the crust. When you get to the crust, it's so burnt, and it's so dry, and, like, I don't know why I eat it. I just, I'm a glutton for, for pizza crust that tastes like crap. So I think that that's, that's definitely my answer, is burnt pizza crust. Because <laughs> it just goes flying. I know it's you mean like it, because a, it's, not, it's not a natural, like, when you bite into it, it's just going to naturally break. And it's kind like of eating st- a breadstick. Exactly. It's but like, like a, a burnt one. Yeah. yeah. And it, 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 it just naturally just shoots away from you. Everywhere. It's disgusting. I can't even imagine how much of that is in my couch cushions and under my couch. Oh, well, speaking of couch cushions, like, so my daughters are home today for whatever the holidays called after Easter. Good Monday, maybe? Sure. Um, whatever. I'm not, I don't practice my religion very well, obviously. But um, they have, like, I'm going to give them chores to do. And one of the nice. chores is to clean up underneath the like the underneath the couch cushions. Suckers. I know, right? And it's been a while since those are done. So, yep. Uh, not, not a great, not a great job. <laughs> no, no, it stinks for them. Um, my absurd question for you: Are you ready? I am so ready. Are you sure? Uh, no, but I'm gonna. I'm yeah. I'm sure. I'm okay. Ready. Okay. So, if I don't really have a great absurd question. But if you could own any kind of franchise, not like sporting franchise, I mean franchise like McDonald's and Arby's, yeah, like like one of those. What would it be and why? It could be a it could be a non restaurant too. It could be like you want to re and do bring back Blockbuster for some reason or whatever. 
or CVS. Um, CVS is not a bad one. CVS does really well around here in my area, at least. Yeah, I'd imagine. I have like 35,000 drugstores, <laughs> like commercial drugstores in my neighborhood. I so. do There's a CVS and a Rite Aid, like, within like seven feet of each other where I live. That's incredible. Um, yeah, it's it's incredible. They're like on top of each other at times, too. Uh, I don't know. It's really tough. I'll tell you what I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want a Quiznos. I know so many Quiznos that have gone out of business because they're like, they're franchises and they're just, they, I don't know. I got nothing on that. I've nothing. never eaten the Quiznos. I don't even know what's, I've, I've heard of Quiznos. I always hear of Quiznos failing. I can't tell you what Quiznos serves. Sandwiches. Yeah, that sounds about right. Subway has that seemingly on lockdown. Quiznos is better than Subway for sure. I mean, there, there's a lot of sandwich uh, franchises. Poor marketing. Yeah, I guess so. I, I don't even know what it is. Maybe it's more expensive. I mean, that, it's like higher quality stuff than uh, than Subway for sure. Don't you slander Subway? And they're they're eleven inch foot long. Oh my god, they're garbage. They're garbage. Why aren't five dollar foot longs a thing anymore? Not that they're good. Five dollar. Don't get chicken at Subway. <laughs> is my, my only advice. It's gross. All right. Yeah. Not to slander Subway here. Let's think. I want to give you a really good answer. I, I want to say Shake Shack just because I feel like Ooh. every Shake Shack I go to is always so packed. And, like, customer service is really good at Shake Shack. I feel like they do really well. But I feel like like food is missing the mark. I feel like something other than food would definitely make more money. You know, I'm starting to think drugstore is the answer. What, what's your answer? Well, listen, drugstore was one of my first thoughts. But, like, I'm also, like... I guess, like, it would have to depend on my financial situation. But, like, I wouldn't mind trying to give Blockbuster another run and just changing the business model a little bit. Come on. Come on. Listen, listen. I would let them – like, I would make it a little more Netflix-y. I'd let them stream. Like, you could be – like, I'd have a a building, right? But you could also, like, you could join for a $7 a month fee and just rent movies from home using your Blockbuster pack. As in, like, streaming? Yeah. Interesting. I would just make it a little bit cheaper than Netflix because I'm, you're not offering anything original. You know what I mean? But you could rent movies at like right. Nauseam, and the fee would be like seven or eight dollars. It'd probably have to be more than that because if you're if I let them rent whatever they want whenever they want, the fee probably have to be like twenty dollars or twenty five dollars a month. But if if I'm telling you, Jared Mintz, hey, if you gave me twenty five dollars a month, you could rent brand new movies whenever you want, as much as you want. You'd probably sign up for that. Brand no, I wouldn't. Twenty five. I don't want to pay twenty five dollars a month for like anything. Especially something like what, what if you, I don't. What are you paying now for Netflix? Netflix is like up to eleven bucks now. Yeah, it's like I think I pay ten. And like after like listen, Netflix has like these good, like I love Netflix. Like I'm so I'm, not, I'm these are very small first world problem complaints, but like they go through these dry spells of no new original stuff <coughs> that I like comes out. So like I'll go between now and a while of not watching Netflix because there's like. The movies they had are almost always garbage. You know what I mean? So, like, you're only for the original stuff. Or, like, a TV show maybe you need to get caught up on. But, like, I have nothing now there. So, like, I'm paying $11 a month for the next four months, and I will never use Netflix. Like, I'll use it. Like, I'll, I'll do that thing where I'm searching through the movies, hoping to find, like, some kind of hidden gem. And, uh, like, I went on very odd story last night. I couldn't sleep. I, w- I watched all three of the VHS movies. And they're all horrible. VHS. What? What is it? They're what, horror what? movies. They are horrible. The, the premises are good, right? So I can't explain it. It's it's like it's shot like the Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity, and Ty West, who's supposed to be a great horror act, uh, director, who hasn't done one good horror movies. One of the f- directors in the first one. Um, they're uh, the premises are great because the very first 
Because it's like a series of shorts wrapped around a longer, bigger story in each one. And in the first one, the first short is really intriguing. So you're like, oh, this is going to be really good. And then every short after, through the whole trilogy, they're all, all horrible. But I recommend watching it because you can watch all three of the movies in about four hours because there's not long movies. Can I can I own a diner? Can I do that? It has to be like a franchise diner. Mm, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to own like an Applebee's. What about a Longhorn I, Steakhouse? No, definitely not a Longhorn Steakhouse. They do really well where I live. I don't know how they do elsewhere, but around here they they kill, they slay. Is the cool I've say. been to one. I've been to one once, and I thought it was awful. What about a TGA Fridays? I'd be more inclined to do a TGI Ooh, Friday. What about a Perkins? I like Perkins for some reason. You know, that's probably the closest you're going to get to doing a diner. Yeah. Perkins. I've been to Perkins once, and I thought it was awesome. So We have Perkins you know, right by us, and we love it. Like, the, the depends who the cook is, obviously, but, like, it, it does feel less franchisey and more uh, mom and poppy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's weird. You know, I'm thinking, like, I don't know that I want to do food here because there's a lot that goes into doing food. I just think, like, it might be the easiest way to make money slash, like, you get cash coming in, which you could, you know, do whatever with. You mean you know, hide it I, from the I government? Were, <laughs> correct, correct. If I were, you know, some, like, mobster or something on the side, I, I'd have my cover here. You know, maybe start cooking meth and selling Whoa, it. Whoa, Walter White. I, yeah, I'm thinking about Breaking Bad. What about a car wash company? Right. Is there a, a franchise? Is there a franchise of car washes? Have an A one day. Uh, I don't think so. Th- that's really a good question because I don't want to own anything. I don't want the responsibility of owning a business. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been your answer, I guess, but that's not fun. It's not fun at all. That's why it took me eight minutes to to arrive at that conclusion. Well, you got. Did you give an actual answer yet, though? Did, is it I the pharmacy? I haven't. I'm gonna say Wendy's. Give me a Wendy's. <laughs> so, Wendy's. so we had this conversation for ten minutes, and then Wendy's is not mentioned once. And then when pressed for the answer, it's give me a Wendy's. Yeah, because I've been thinking about it, and I wanted to save the best answer for last. No, really though, it'll probably either be like a Perkins or a Wendy's. I think. I can't believe you would take Blockbuster. That's insane. I think. I, just, I think the. I think. I think the brand's dead, obviously. But I think, like, had they not messed up so bad, the business model could have obviously adjusted. And they probably should have been Netflix before Netflix. They, you're you're a hundred percent right in that. What I just think, you know, kind of shoots them in the foot is they're more movie oriented at this point. If they wanted to come back out, and I just don't think people have uh, the attention spans to watch movies the way they did. That's why I think binge watching shows is so popular. I think they do. Well, here's the overthrowing about Netflix is like for one every great series they give you, they give us eight garbage ones. Yeah, they're not but, batting like this in great rate of original series they're throwing a lot of shit at the wall to see what sticks and they know when they have the good one because they 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 uh they advertise it a lot like they knew house of cards was going to be good they knew stranger things was going to be good um they knew uh jessica jones would at least get people interested i watched jessica jones again i don't i don't think it's good i didn't watch it people are like hey, bro. listen that whole marvel universe thing man they jumped to brit it's jumped to shark or whatever it's it's trash too much uh, too, too, well, not much. only too much like I tried watching uh, Agents of the Shield on Netflix. It's an ABC show, though, and it's not like none of it's interesting. Mm. Let me watch the lesser superheroes in a superhero universe. Why? <laughs> Hot market. People can't get enough of it. It's not for me, so I'm not going to comment on it. Well, uh, listen, I, I, I'm a consumer, so it's supposed to be for me, and I think it's trash. Wow. And listen, I love Netflix, I'm not, I'm, so I'm not bashing them. Like I love Stranger Things. I thought the OA was very good. I thought. Spectacular or whatever their original movie they did was it one of the better science fiction movies the last couple of years. But like, was that one of the Adam Sandler ones? No, 
But that's what I mean. Like for every one of those like House of Cards, uh, Stranger Things, they give us Sandy Wexler or whatever the hell that three hundred Adam Sandler movies. Yeah, yeah, where Rob Schneider's playing racist versions of not white people. Right. Yeah. Oh, Rob Schneider, what a jerk! Screw that guy. Kevin um, James is probably like, yeah, thank God my friend's Adam Sandler. Uh, how could you not? Yeah. So I'm. I'm. I'm admittedly one of the people who uses netflix to watch old shows like i'm not here for the original content as much as i am for streaming old shows well, so. yeah my favorite thing not my favorite thing but like it's always like i when i when lost was around i lost track of it and being able to rewatch on netflix was like a great thing and that's what i mostly use it for you know what i mean Right. Rewatch Cheers. Remember Cheers? You remember yeah, of Cheers. Course, man. Of course. That, that's the best thing about Netflix is getting to watch those shows again. And then, like, maybe I'll watch. I never watched The Office all the way through. Maybe I'll watch The Office or Scrubs if Scrubs is on there. You should definitely do that. I don't think Scrubs is, but I do think The Office is. Yeah. All right, guys. We, just, we had a long ass podcast today. We did. We, well, should we, we just have... start cursing at the end and see if anybody's listening? That, that's what we tried doing today. Caster Jobs. And I think it went well. Good things. Thank you guys so much for listening. You made it to the end. You were rewarded with nothing. You made it to the end. (laughs) It's over. Enjoy NBA playoffs this week. Also, I want to give a shout-out to Joe. Joe is working through an injury uh, this morning, so shout-out to you. I hope you feel better. Uh, Keep me posted on your whereabouts. Broken penis. (laughs) Yeah, I got nothing. All right. You can follow (laughs) me on Twitter at jmintshoops. Catch my basketball writing at fanragsports.com. I, of course, have written a couple of things about this whole Phil Jackson mess, and will probably continue to do so throughout the week. Joe, tell the good people where they could find you and what you got going on. On Twitter, at Joseph Nardone, N-A-R-D-O-N-E. I said my name, spelled my name right this time. Um, <clears throat> I guess today I'll write about uh, Perry Dozier leaving South Carolina and how it affects the Gamecocks, because, listen, man, the Cox just lost two of their best players, and it's going to be really hard for the Cox. They might go limp. Did you call him Terry in thinking, like, it's Terry Roger, or is PJ short for Perry Jr.? Wait, what's that? You did I call, did I call him? You that? called him Perry Dozier. Did is I? That because his name is actually Perry, or you're doing the hybrid Perry Terry? And you called him, did you call him Roger or Dozier? I don't know. I call, we got I, well, listen, I called, him, I called him Dozier for one. And, um, and, you, called him Perry, and you called him Perry for two. Uh, th- th- are we sure? I am a hundred percent. That is tremendous. That is better. That is better than College Brogdon. That is better than Siobhan Field. That is the best. That is the best. Well, how do you know his name is not Perry? <laughs> how do you know his name is Perry? <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to find it right now. What is PJ Dozier's first name? I'm just typing Perry Dozier. See if anything comes up. I almost want to say this Perry Dozier. Is it like? Perry Saturn. I'm going to take the under on it being Perry Saturn. Is Perry Saturn alive still? He's still with us. Um, Mother, I almost said the F-bomb. His first name is Perry. No, it's not. I swear to God, I'm looking at uh, 24-7 Sports. Perry Dozier. Yeah. Listen, I knew I I wouldn't just make him up. No, I think you hybrid Terry Rozier. Perry Perry Dozier. (laughs) I might have. Like, listen, that might have been what happened. But uh, I'll take the win. Oh, it is Perry. Way to go, Joe. Way to end the show on a high note. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you on Friday. Boop, boop. All around me are familiar websites. Worn out clickbait. Worn out hot takes. 
bright and early for the daily link dumps. No one's clicking. No one's clicking. Their pupils are filling up their pockets, but not for writers. Not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow. No tomorrow. And I find it kind of funny. I find it kind of sad. The internet, in which I'm worthless, is the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you. I find it too hot to take. When people blog in circles, it's a very, very mad world.